my brother and I have always been intrigued by the unexplainable. Like many, we're fascinated with stories of the supernatural, fringe science, and modern-day mysteries. Though we've seen no first-hand proof of its existence, our minds remain open to the possibility. Unsatisfied with the so-called evidence on television and the internet, we are choosing to take matters into our own hands and conduct our own interviews and research. Now we're on a quest to speak with as many people as we can and hear the stories of these events from those who have lived them. No Hollywood effects or exaggerations and no hidden agenda. We invite you to listen and decide what and who you believe. We are the Brothers Mysterium. Welcome to The Brothers Mysterium. We are your hosts, Tommy and Eric. Ayo. And if you like The Brothers Mysterium, you enjoy our show, we would kindly ask you to rate and review us on whatever podcast provider you use. And give us a like on Facebook, facebook.com slash The Brothers Mysterium. And while you do that, we will carry on with today's topic, UFO sightings. Now, for those of you who might be unaware, a UFO is... Simply an unidentified flying object. It could be anything. could be uh, just... It's something that you don't recognize. But, of course, the more common use of it is an extraterrestrial vehicle, a spaceship of sorts, and that's what we're going to be talking about. And I'm excited because we do so much paranormal ghosts. It's fun when we can branch out into the other types of uh, phenomena, curiosities of our world, such as aliens and UFOs, so I'm pretty fired up for this one. They've been in the logo since day one. If you look at the Mysterium logo, there's a uh, you know crop circle and an alien in there. So, Yeah, it's a good thing. We've always been ready for this. And an interesting thing that I'll say right off the top is I found it uh, uh, fascinating how a lot of people, I think, are more open to the idea of aliens existing due to the vastness of the universe and the possibilities and the number game. Sure. Then they're open to the possibility of ghosts and spirits. Yet, when it comes to telling stories and being a guest on the show, people seem more willing to talk about their supernatural ghost experiences than alien experiences. And I, I I'm not sure why that is. I don't know if it's because spirituality is a little more cooler and you're like... It's a little more down to earth. I think I saw... Ah, well played. Yeah. I think I saw a ghost of my grandmother. Oh, that's kind of cool. And even if you didn't, at least you felt great. As opposed to somebody saying like, I saw a UFO. And then it's like, okay, you conspiracy theory nut job quack. That's because, I, I mean, it, it could have something to do with the fact that, I mean, like you said, like the numbers game and things like that that are more abstract to the average person in, in like a scientific way. Whereas, like, yeah, the idea of, like, I love my grandma, I hope she still exists somewhere, that's why I believe in ghosts, you know what I mean? That that That's a little more personal. Yeah, but it's, I mean, I don't know, I just found it interesting that I feel like UFOs are more logical to exist since aliens are, right. so people would be more open to discussing aliens, but instead... It's, but it's more, I think it's more, it's, I mean... Yeah, no, I know what you're saying, but I think it's more theoretical, and people, people, there's like two schools of thought when it comes to that. There's like the, oh, aliens must exist, and let's talk about, um, you know, uh, wormholes and travel through space and things like that, and that's like the, well, that's fun to imagine, but I'm not a uh, 
you know, a theoretical physicist like Neil deGrasse Tyson who can really crunch these numbers and things like that. Right. So it's out of my league, but it's cool to think about and talk about. Whereas ghosts, no one really has that idea of like, let's talk about like the, you know, how many BTUs uh, a ghost's spirit would generate. It's not as scientific. Right. So therefore people, the average person has more access to that conversation yeah. without it being too kooky. I can get behind that. So as we discuss UFOs, there are obviously some famous cases that come to mind. Battle of L.A. Sure. Is that one you're going to talk about or no? I was not. Oh, okay. Do you want to talk about that? I don't know too much about it, actually. Oh. And on that note, the Battle of Los Angeles, as it has since been dubbed, took place in 1942 over the skies of Los Angeles, California, starting late on February 24th and carrying over into the early hours of the 25th. Just under three months after the U.S. entered World War II following the attack on Pearl Harbor, and one day after the bombardment of Elwood, anti-aircraft let loose an aerial barrage on targets believed to be Japanese aircraft. At a press conference shortly afterward, Secretary of the Navy Frank Knox called the incident a false alarm. Newspapers of the time published a number of reports and speculations of a cover-up. Many people believe it wasn't a false alarm, or Japanese planes, but rather extraterrestrial spacecrafts that were being shot at. When documenting the incident in 1949, the United States Coast Artillery Association identified a meteorological balloon sent up at 1 a.m. that, quote, started all the shooting, end quote, and concluded that, quote, once the firing started, imagination created all kinds of targets in the sky and everyone joined in. Then, in 1983, the United States Office of Air Force History attributed the event to a case of war nerves, triggered by a lost weather balloon and exasperated by stray flares and shell bursts from adjoining batteries. And in a roundabout way, these incidents remind me of a more recent occurrence, which was the SpaceX launch, where a rocket carrying 10 satellites took off from Vandenberg Air Force Base and left a long smoke trail which triggered a temporary panic from Southern California all the way to Phoenix. Luckily, with Google and social media, people who were freaking out and posting things, especially photos and videos, were quickly able to learn the truth of what the object was in the sky. Unfortunately, there were no cell phone videos, cameras, or pictures of the Battle of Los Angeles, and people couldn't Google anything, so we may never know what truly was in the sky. And now, just because I'm a fan of the TV show The X-Files, in the episode My Struggle, the character Fox Mulder explains a brief history of UFO sightings. There are 10,000 sightings each year in North America alone, and so it's been since the dawn of time, Stone Age and even biblical references into our modern age. In 1947, Kenneth Arnold saw nine unidentified craft out the window of his small plane, followed by the historic crash at Roswell and its legendary cover-up. In 1957, UFOs were spotted over our nation's capital. The Pentagon held press briefings. Multiple witnesses in 1967 at Malmstrom Air Force Base in Montana see fighters scramble but easily outrun by UFOs that climb upwards of 200,000 feet, twice the service ceiling of our highest flying spy planes. Dr. Edgar Mitchell, the sixth man to walk on the moon, cites secret studies on extraterrestrial materials and bodies. Secretary of State Cyrus Vance and future President Gerald R. Ford validate the UFO phenomenon in official government memoranda. But now people only laugh, and only Roswell is remembered.
but we must ask ourselves. Are they really a hoax? Are we truly alone? Or are we being lied to? I was going to say the Roswell, New Mexico incident. True. Which was in mid-1947, a United States Air Force balloon crashed at a ranch near Roswell, New Mexico. And then, of course, was it a balloon? Is that all a cover-up? That's the official story. That's when things get crazy, but that's probably one of the most famous ones ever. People still talk about it to this day. Did they move a live alien to Area 51? A lot of conspiracy theories. The weather balloon always seems to be the cop-out or the excuse as to what all these people witnessed and saw. Right, yeah, yeah. So you never know, but uh, many times when there are sightings, that's what people go with. And a lot of people did see something crash. They saw it. Was it a weather balloon? I don't know. And here is an original ABC News radio report about Roswell from July 8th, 1947. Headline edition, July 8, 1947. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc has been found and is now in the possession of the Army. Army officers say the missile, found sometime last week, has been inspected at Roswell, New Mexico, and sent to Wright Field, Ohio, for further inspection. Late this afternoon, a bulletin from New Mexico suggested that the widely publicized mystery of the flying saucers may soon be solved. Army Air Force officers reported that one of the strange disks had been found and inspected sometime last week. Our correspondents in Los Angeles and Chicago have been in contact with Army officials endeavoring to obtain all possible late information. Joe Wilson reports to us now from Chicago. The Army may be getting to the bottom of all this talk about the so-called flying saucers. As a matter of fact, the 509th Atomic Bomb Group headquarters at Roswell, New Mexico, reports that it has received one of the disks which landed on a ranch outside Roswell. The disc landed at a ranch at Corona, New Mexico, and the rancher turned it over to the Air Force. Rancher W.W. Brizel was the man who discovered the saucer. Colonel William Blanchard of the Roswell Air Base refuses to give details of what the flying disc looks like. In Fort Worth, Texas, where the object was first sent, Brigadier General Roger Ramey says that it is being shipped by air to the AAF Research Center at Wright Field, Ohio. A few moments ago, I talked to officials at Wright Field, and they declared that they expect the so-called flying saucer to be delivered there, but that it hasn't arrived as yet. In the meantime, General Ramey describes the object as being of flimsy construction, almost like a box type. He says that it was so battered that he was unable to determine whether it had a disc form, and he does not indicate its size. Ramey says that so far as can be determined, no one saw the object in the air, and he describes it as being made of some sort of tinfoil. Other Army officials say that further information indicates that the object had a diameter of about 20 to 25 feet, and that nothing in the apparent construction indicated any capacity for speed, and that there was no evidence of a power plant. The disc also appeared too flimsy to carry a man. Now, back to Taylor Grant in New York. 
Another very popular one uh, is the Phoenix Lights. Right. That's it. That is a big one. And this is a huge one because it was a mass UFO sighting. It occurred in Phoenix, Arizona, obviously, as well as Sonora, Mexico, on Thursday, March 13th in 1997, where lights of varying descriptions were reported by thousands of people between 1930 and 2230, military time, of course, that's Mountain Standard Time, in the space of about 300 miles from the Nevada line through Phoenix to the edge of Tucson. So thousands of people seeing something going on. Now, is the belief, I'm sure there's different beliefs, but if you look at the pictures of that, it it's like multiple lights that form almost that they form almost like a like a just like a slight curve. Now, do people say that this was multiple alien spaceships or is this supposed to be like the the rim, if you will, of like a giant mothership? Well, there's a lot of different talks because a lot of people uh, said they saw a huge triangle. Other people said it was a giant V-shaped. Oh, yeah, different angles different, captured differently. Different That's angles, crazy. different signs. Isn't a tri- I mean, there's also a whole school of thought as to there are all these different types of not only alien races, but different types of ships. There's the classic disc. There's the triangle ships. Of course, the Air Force claimed there's sort of two distinct incidents that took place there. The Air Force says the second one was definitely flares that were set off by the Air Force. Of course, people don't believe that. But interesting, nonetheless, just that so many people witnessing the same event. Of course, we encourage you to uh, look into all of these events themselves. We were are not going to get too deep into them because we're all about the first-person accounts. Right. That's yeah, And people have been speculating up and down across the board with this for years and right nobody's come to any better answer than anyone else really no and we actually had a good friend aunt w who spent time in roswell and i kind of remember her talking about the aliens in the cover-up but i can't remember specifics unfortunately that was in the 70s that she lived there so it was like 20 years after it was way 30 years after but yeah but uh she's still kind of and who knows if she was just you know she liked to say things though she liked to tell stories i think well that's very possible and we did ask aunt f she remembered anything specific, and yeah, she, did she, not. she did not. No. So one of the more famous uh, pieces of evidence used to point out that these weather balloon and flare excuses are not true is the Guy Hotel Memo, also known as the Hotel Memo. That's H-O-T-T-E-L. And Guy Hotel was a special agent in charge of the FBI's Washington field office, and he sent a memo uh, in regard to a March 22, 1950 incident that took place he sent it to the FBI director, and it was concerning flying saucers. And you can actually Google that, look at the memo, but it's uh, an official government document that touches on UFOs, on flying saucers. Hmm. I have asked some military personnel that I know, Air Force people, several of them, do you know anything? Some of them have top secret clearance. And I said, come on, man, is this real? What do you know? They're not going to say anything. And they've all said, "Nah, I wish it was, but it isn't. Now, are they lying to me? They could be. Right. That's the official. But, you know, some of them I'm pretty tight with. They probably could have told me they didn't, like, wink or say, no. Bing. And while none of my military friends were able to shed much light on the subject, there was a bombshell article dropped from the New York Times on December 16th, 2017, that I strongly suggest everybody check out. The article by Helene Cooper, Ralph Blumenthal, and Leslie Keene, entitled, Glowing Auras and Black Monkey, the Pentagon's mysterious UFO program, goes into a lot of detail about just what exactly our government knows and has done in regards to research of these unidentified flying objects. 
Have you yourself had any UFO or alien experiences? Um, no alien experiences that I remember. They, they could be doing it every single night and waping my brain. Yeah. Couldn't tell you. I do wake up in strange places around my house sometimes, but that's probably due more to sleep paralysis and restless legs and all those other great things. Yeah, they're great. Uh, yeah, I myself have never seen anything like you know sometimes you'll see something go by kind of quick and well that's like, yeah, i had that was interesting yeah i had one thing where there was definitely like a bright light that like streaked across the sky right and it was definitely it was not a shooting star or anything like that unless it was extremely low and i remember i i got home and i googled like the town i happened to be driving through and it happened just just see if anyone else posted like anything on the internet nobody said it said a word about it so you never know to me it was a ufo it was flying and i couldn't identify it right which, but doesn't I don't think it was a spaceship. Right, again, and uh, there is a distinction. We're going to use the term UFO to describe alien crafts, but in reality, a lot of times, UFOs will later be identified. Um, so the term itself doesn't only mean extraterrestrial crafts. It literally is just, it could be a duck that you just didn't realize was a duck, but it was right. a flying object you didn't recognize at the moment. Uh, one other thing I'll add is, in just kind of researching this, reaching out to people, trying to get people to share their stories on the show, I found... There's a large number of sightings, obviously, in the desert area, the southwest United States, in Mexico, in South America, I was surprised about, as well as a lot, a lot, a lot of sightings in upstate New York, which I kind of didn't uh, see that coming, so I was kind of surprised by that. Also in New York, the Hudson Valley is considered by many to be the number one hotspot in the country for UFO activity. There have been over 5,000 people that have reported sightings of UFOs over the cities in the Hudson River Valley of New York, and that was just during the 1980s. The highest concentration of those sightings were over Brewster, Millwood, Stormville, and Yorktown. The most famous case is often called the Hudson River UFO. When, on the night of March 17, 1983, Deputy Dennis Sant saw a large, dark, gray metallic object over his home next to Interstate 84 near Brewster, New York. He described it as a city of lights. He and his son followed the object until they reached their backyard. A few miles away, traffic along I-84 was brought to a stop when motorists got out of their cars to look at the large, unknown flying object. A week later, on March 24th, Officer Andy Sandhoff was working a routine patrol when she saw a series of lights in the sky. At first, she assumed it was a plane. However, as she got a better look at the object, she realized it was way too large to be a plane. It had several white, green, and red lights on it. The object seemed to stop above her car, and she noted that no sounds came from it. She decided to follow the object until it disappeared over the hills. That very same night, computer engineer Ed Burns was on the Taconic Parkway near Millwood when he began experiencing static on his radio. Seconds later, he looked up and noticed a large object about the size of a football field. He also noted there was no sound emanating from the object. He pulled off to the side of the road and watched it along with many other motorists. The eyewitness reports suggested that the object was slowly moving north over the Hudson River Valley. The local police in Yorktown received countless calls from people reporting the shape in the sky. Two officers who saw it together gave different descriptions at the same time. Officer Kevin Soravilla described it as a large shape with several lights, but his partner, William Wolfe, described it as a series of small planes flying in a tight formation. Some began to suspect that the UFO sightings were a hoax, believing that the large object was actually several small planes flying together. However, sightings continued to pour in throughout the area in the following months. 
In the summer of 1983, air traffic controller Anthony Capaldi saw the object flying nearby over Stormville. Looking more closely, he noticed that it was actually six planes flying together. He did note, however, that the previous eyewitnesses should have been able to tell it was a series of planes because of the noise coming from the aircraft. Since many witnesses reported hearing no noise, it would seem that the planes in a tight formation theory would be a very unlikely explanation. On July 24, 1984, Brewster resident Bob Pasoli took a home video of strange objects flying overhead. According to video experts, it appears that it is one large object and not several smaller ones. And to this day, it is still unknown what everyone was seeing, and the debate rages on as to whether these were extraterrestrials or just some other unknown flying object. There seems to be a connection with UFOs and mountains, as the highest concentrations of UFO sightings will often be near particular mountain ranges or summits. Monuments and caves are also locations known to generate a lot of sightings, which begs the question, are the UFOs hovering near these landmarks more than other places? Or is it just that a higher concentration of people are staring up at these monuments and mountain ranges and therefore able to notice the UFOs? How much more could we see if we kept our eyes to the sky? Our first story comes from Ian and takes place at a mountain famous for its extraterrestrial visitors. Well, I was on vacation with my wife and my kid in Capilla del Monte, which is like the big UFO place, alien place. And I halfway believe what they just claim to be on there. So we didn't have no money and we were staying in our car and I have a property out there. And so we decided to go, there's a lake, a dike in the mountains up there in, in Cordova. So we decided we can go fishing while we were waiting for the morning so we could get a hotel room or something. Well, my, my wife starts to go to sleep and I go outside and I'm trying to start fishing, but it's dark as hell. Um, when all of a sudden up by the top of Uri Turco, but off to the side, you start to see like a light. It would just like blink on. And then like kind of dance a little bit. And then blink off. And at first we saw it and it was happening once every maybe two minutes, three minutes. And it started to get a little bit faster, like, and it seemed to be getting bigger, like it was coming closer to us. And uh, there was another light that started blinking on and off right next to it, like dancing in not the same pattern, but kind of like very erratic. And, uh, yeah, freaked my wife out, freaked me out pretty bad. I mean, there was no, like, noise or anything, but we were, we were pretty deep in the mountains by ourselves. So, I mean, and there was no cars at that altitude and where it was. There couldn't have been a road or anything behind it. It was, it was pretty freaky. I can't really say that, like, I saw aliens or little green men come talk to me but but that was definitely pretty freaky they're moving pretty fast a lot of light 
where there shouldn't have been none. Capiche de Monte, though, is pretty famous for, for sightings and UFOs and stuff. And I start to believe it. I hear from friends of mine that they saw some lights. And when we went up, we saw, I mean, it would be interesting to know what it really is. So this is a cool story in that it takes place at a very, very well-known hotspot for UFO sightings. As we mentioned in the beginning, like South America has a lot of hotspots. This was actually Capilla del Monte in Argentina, Argentina, on Mount Uritorco. That's U-R-I-T-O-R-C-O. If you Google Argentina, Mount Uritorco, UFOs, or Capilla del Monte, UFOs, you'll, you'll get a ton of photos, a ton of stories. So it was cool that we were able to get somebody from one of these hotspots who saw something. Yeah. Uh, him and his wife both saw it, so more than one witness, and they describe it as sort of blinking lights off in the distance that grew faster and faster and bigger as if they were coming towards them. And then what started out as one sort of light then became two. They were flying kind of together, but in very erratic fashion, different patterns. Once again, no sound. So classic UFO with the lights, change of directions, no sound being there. And again, he said, you know, it's late at night. It's not, there's no roads up in the mountains. There's nothing that should be flying around that close to the mountains and nothing that can fly the way that these things were moving. So a very cool sighting in a place known to be a magnet, if you will, for UFOs. Yeah, that's the real cool thing about that story, I think, is the, the location and things like that. Because, I mean, it, it's, it's very, you know, it's similar to many, many UFO stories. Right. But cool. And, yeah, as always, we encourage you, definitely, uh, if you're interested, Google Mount Uratorco and just check out all of the different sightings, photos, videos, uh, because it is definitely a well-known UFO haunt. Haunted by UFOs? In a way. Capilla del Monte, Argentina's capital for alien site tourism, 725 kilometers from the capital Buenos Aires, has been the site of numerous sightings of unidentified flying objects, as well as aliens reaching up to two and a half meters tall said to have appeared on the nearby Uritorco mountain. I am Capilla del Monte. I present my name as I have the honor of being the descendant of a specific legacy. Before being myself, I was a village that became a meeting point for mysterious settlers, says an enigmatic presentation about the town. Its streets are filled with shops selling dolls, costumes, and other handicrafts that evoke flying saucers. A sculpture of a UFO even adorns the town while organized tours for tourists to go and observe flying saucers are a daily routine. The alien frenzy in the city has reached such a fever pitch that a few days ago it held the fourth edition of the Alien Festival, which included lectures, dances, a fancy dress competition, as well as an alien marathon which was held in the streets of the small town. This next sighting came from a friend of mine. Hi, I'm Susan. And one day, she had mentioned to me that she had actually seen UFOs, so I wanted to share her account on the show. This event took place um, on Jugtown Mountain in uh, the western part of Hunterdon County in New Jersey. It was, uh, it was a bright summer day. It was a summer morning, late morning, um, I want to say maybe about four or five years ago. 
Susan was standing in the middle of a large grassy field in between two wooded areas when she noticed what at first she thought was a plane flying overhead. Then she realized there was something odd about what she was seeing. First of all, there was three uh, triangular shaped. They had two um, straight sides and then one kind of uh, concave uh, side. I don't know what that was. But anyway, I see these three things in the air, like pretty far up above me that I first thought it was a plane. But the thing that made me suddenly realize this is something else is number one, they literally moved in from you know one side of where this forested area was to the clearing like in the blink of an eye they were moving completely uniformly together and the way that they were catching the sun one of them was reflecting so i could tell that it was made of like a silver metal and i was like there is no you know helicopter there's no weather balloons there's no there's no planes that do this so as i was realizing that literally the things the three of them kind of like were hovering over me but this is not like you know right on top of me this is kind of far away and then all of a sudden they just took off you know and they moved in a way that i have never seen anything in the air move so fast to the other side of where those trees were and i tried to run to see where they went and it was like they had vanished And you described the uh, shape of them, triangular. You said you could definitely tell they were sort of like a silver metal. Yes. And was there any sound that accompanied them, either when they were coming in or when they sped up, like a sonic boom, uh, an airplane sound, any noise? No. Again, they were they were so far away that um, they were they were not like pin you know pin size, but they were pretty small. Um, little they were distinctly triangles so so i think from that distance also i probably couldn't really hear anything I, it was it was very quiet silent almost and you could tell though that it clearly was three distinctive triangles not they weren't part of one larger craft no they were definitely three little things flying in a in a formation together and did they ever move like independently or they were just no. sort of like you know fighter jets almost just on the same track yeah exactly that's exactly how it was and then, uh, by chance, were there any other witnesses, anybody else around that you were able to, you know, run into and say, like, did you see that or anything? Unfortunately, no. It was just a weird moment on a summer morning, and I was by myself. Before seeing this, had you ever seen any UFO or anything that you might have thought could be a UFO before in your life? Never. And did you believe in aliens before this? Well, of course I believe in aliens, <laughs> but that's not to say that I was wishfully hoping to see one, and then definitely when I saw these things, that I was at all happy. I mean, to be honest with you, I was kind of like freaked out, and I almost felt like it was by the time that I consciously realized that silver was 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 in a, in a uh, seeing the the reflection was something I'd never seen before, and that realization that oh my God, this is an, this is a UFO. That's when they took off. Oh, that's interesting, too. Yeah. And so they're this weird triangle shape. You said they were far away, but not too far where you couldn't see it. You can say with 100% accuracy, it was not planes. It was not, you know, drones or, or something. Not. It was something you'd never seen before. Yeah. 
A good interview trick is to always keep the equipment rolling. So after sharing her story, Susan and I kept discussing her sighting. It was uh, definitely one of the uh, most exciting things that's ever happened to me in my life. Yeah. It really was amazing. I googled to see if there were UFOs in my area, and I believe that I did find that there were. So, you know what, I'm going to look and see if I can find that that thread or, you know, or, or try to find some of that stuff, because again, it's like from a few years ago now, but, um, but I'm looking at, oh, oh, chevron-shaped UFO hovering over trees, this is it. Um, New Jersey has had more than 130 reported UFO sightings since January 2016. I'll send this to you. Okay, yeah, that would, that would be awesome. That's exactly what they were. What the hell? Isn't that cool? That's crazy, and it's awesome that other people saw them at the, the around the same time or even that same exact day. That's awesome. Right. And there's a picture of it in that article? There's a picture, but they're just lights. But you think the lights kind of matched what the, the shape that you had seen? You know what I like about it? Um, it's two lights together, but the way that they're flying is exactly the way. These things were so close together. Oh, very cool. Yeah, definitely send me that article because that's... Uh... Oh, yeah, there is. Actually, they do have, um, they have a picture of the sky in the daytime. But the, there's three objects, but they're not as close together as mine were. I mean, I, um, I'll tell you, I was, honest to God, I was pretty freaked out that day after that, because it's, it's like an amazing, it's like seeing a ghost or something. I mean, it's like, oh my God, this shit is all f***ing real. Yeah. Like, when you have, when you have something like that happen, it kind of changes everything. Oh, for sure. It's, yeah, you know? your reality has shifted. What, what exists and what doesn't. Yeah. So obviously I was on the phone with Susan. She's a friend of mine who we were discussing the podcast one day and I asked her, as I ask everybody, do you have any paranormal, supernatural, alien-related stories? And she said, I have seen UFOs. So I want to thank her for jumping on the phone and sharing that with us. And what was cool about this one was happened during the daytime. It was kind of just a typical morning in New Jersey when she saw three triangle-shaped UFOs, unidentified objects flying in a very tight formation. She again hits the typical uh, description. Now, what's cool is these ones are triangle shaped, not the football shaped ones or the discs. Um, but she does say they were metallic. She could definitely see they were reflective in the sunlight. Good to get a mix of not all nighttime things. So it's cool that this happened during the day. And while they were kind of far away, they were close enough for her to clearly make out what they looked like, what formation they were in. And that's another commonality I've heard, too, is a lot of people will say sometimes they thought it was a big plane or something, and then as it gets closer, they realize it's kind of a cluster of two or three mm -hmm. UFOs together. That's like the um, the Phoenix Lights one. Exactly. Um, so this was three distinct ones, and once again, they kind of slow down, they're hovering, and then in a split second, they just take off. She didn't hear any noise, and it goes back to just what other aircraft has the ability to change speed so quickly to hover and then in a split second just hit a speed boost and it's gone uh it's too fast to even track with your eyes none that we've identified 
none. And a cool thing about this, uh, unfortunately, Susan was alone that day in the field and witnessed it by herself, but she was smart enough to go back and Google. That's awesome. If anybody else had seen anything. That's what I did. Any other reports. Nobody else did. Yeah. She got lucky on that one. So she got lucky. She was able to find an article about Chevron-shaped UFOs in the area at that time. She actually sent us the article, so we will post it, facebook.com slash The Brothers Mysterium. We'll put it in the UFO album. And that was just a, a very cool story. I'm glad that we got one during nice daylight time. And I want to thank Susan for sharing. Thank you. Let's hop into the next eyewitness account. Let's do it. The Brothers Mysterium. Hi, I'm Bryce. I'm from Kentucky. Currently 25. My original inclination toward aliens was that they must exist. But I abstain from judgment from not knowing. And Bryce has witnessed UFOs on multiple occasions. My first sighting was in... 2013 and it resembled a shooting star I even pointed it out to a friend of mine as it was happening we watched it together until it cut a 90 degree turn I thought wow that's that wasn't a shooting star that was something different still don't know what that one was but the same event happened later in the year with the exact same description one year later and in 2014 I was standing out at the back of my apartments in Lexington, Kentucky, when this black pod-like thing hovers overhead slowly and low to the ground. And my friend and I witnessed this object. No doors, no windows, no thrusters, no propellers, no visible sign of any sort of propulsion, and no sound. We followed that object for several blocks before it passed over a, an area where we couldn't jump the fence. And we're still talking about it in somebody's yard when a helicopter followed it. The helicopter was also silent, so uh, reflection on that one seemed to indicate maybe secret military rather than aliens. But it was still very much of a anti-gravity look to it. And then, a year after that. Most impressive that I've seen actually happened in 2015 toward the end of the year. I was driving in a particularly dark area with no street lamps and no other cars at 3 a.m. when I start to see this craft streaking across the sky at an extremely fast rate of speed. Now, I worked at the airport, and I'm familiar with all sorts of different aircraft and their movement. This thing was definitely faster than any terrestrial craft I've ever seen. And it had a very bright luminescence, but the luminescence didn't shine outside of the shape of the craft. It had a very definite, sharp shape and a very bright luminescence. So I'm watching this streak across the sky when it changes direction abruptly and moves backwards and upwards like a 45 degree angle, like an oddly shaped check mark. When it changed direction, it did not change speed and it turned green. 
and only for a few seconds was moving backward and up and green before it disappeared entirely. I followed up and asked Bryce if he could describe the craft in more detail. He said the best look he got was during his third UFO sighting, where he and his friend were following the object by weaving through backyards. Now the the third object that I saw, the one that was low to the ground, was the only one that I saw close enough to be able to describe it and see details of the craft. This particular craft was too small to have a human occupant, and I would guess that it didn't have any occupants, but was controlled by something else. It had a, a symmetry about it that the front of it and the back of it were basically mirror reflections of each other, as were the top, the bottom, and the left and the right. It was shaped sort of like a, a hot wheel car if you blew it up to be a little bigger. So if you could imagine something with curves and and panels that resembled a Corvette, but with no windows or doors, and the front and the back being the same. You basically have a good description of this object. I mean, it's gunmetal black, not giving off any light, any sound. And this thing is just so close to us, it's barely clearing power lines. And we could have hit this thing with a basketball, no problem. And it was just crazy. I was really glad to have my friend there to confirm to me that it was not just me seeing it. But that's something that we still talk about when we get together. And uh, it is very good evidence to me, based off of its slow, quiet nature and lack of visible propulsion, that it has some sort of experimental or otherworldly means of of its mode of travel. At this moment, my opinion is that anti-gravity craft are legitimate. And I also believe from other witnesses that they appear on radar sometimes. So that is my experience. And I encourage anybody who is a skeptic or who is tired of hoaxes on the internet to spend more time outside to watch the sky. I don't think it's that uncommon. I just think that people don't notice. So keep them peeled. So a good old story from Kentucky with multiple sightings. Classic. And some of the uh, common UFO elements appear. The first sighting he had thinks it's a shooting star. It's like, hey, buddy, look at that shooting star. As they're watching it, all of a sudden, a really sharp 90-degree angle. And then he said even later that year, saw almost the same exact thing. Fast forward 2014 is when he notices, uh, and this might have been kind of his best look at one, this kind of very dark pod, no propulsion, it's flying very low, right above him, uh, hovering, making no sound. You know, there's no windows, there's no doors. And him and his buddy actually follow this thing. Yeah. uh, And his friend saw it too and everything again. So more than one person. And they're following it. They're hopping fences, doing what they can do to keep up to it. And then it goes an area they can't get to. Flies off. It's gone. And then with this encounter, all of a sudden a helicopter comes by shortly after as if following the first craft. And the helicopter is also making no sound, which is rare because 
helicopters and their propellers definitely do make a sound. And he even said he wonders if that helicopter being there wasn't proof of some sort of government military experiment, possibly anti-gravity technology, uh, in that, I mean, I would have said, you know, maybe the helicopter was the military trying to chase a UFO and figure out right. what it is. Right, that's my thought. But if there's no sound At with first. the helicopter either, it raises some questions. Sure. What kind of helicopter makes no sound? None that I know of. None. Then in 2015, he sees a bright, smooth shape. Again, kind of your classic UFO description. When all of a sudden it goes in a very weird flight pattern, it kind of goes backwards and upwards, very sudden movement, directional changes without any speed changes. It doesn't slow down. It doesn't make a nice slow turn as you would in an airplane. It's almost defying gravity uh, and aerodynamics in the way it's just so... Pretty classic symptom of a UFO. Absolutely. Just very uh, you know, swift, sudden, sharp movements. He said it even changed colors. The luminescence of it kind of became green. Uh, and then a second later, boom, it's gone from the sky completely. So... I feel like this is definitely sort of your classic UFO sighting. Sets the stage well. It does. He had a few, well, one very close one, um, others at different distances, one where it was kind of far, one where it was more almost the shooting star in the sky. But just the behavior of it, the description of it, the color of it all definitely screams UFO. And I like his little uh, message to the listeners at the end there. Keep them peeled. Keep them peeled, folks. On to the next. The Brothers Mysterio. I'm Ian. I currently live in California. As you can probably tell by my accent, uh, originally Australian. The sighting happened in Australia. It actually happened in Victoria of Australia. And this is in the south of Australia. It's cold. It rains a lot. Um, I was on a farm way out in the bush. The sighting happened uh, during winter. So uh, I'm 40 years old now, and I uh, the sighting happened when I was about 11. So the story goes like this. We're living out on a farm. Uh, it, it, was, uh, it was mostly a hobby farm, but um, we were miles from anywhere. I mean, you know, think... Trees and forests and, uh, you know, horses, chickens, that sort of thing. And uh, one night, uh, I'm, I'm 11 years old, I'm in, uh, in my bedroom, and uh, it's late at night, and uh, I distinctly remember seeing a bright light come in through the window. I mean, it, it wasn't necessarily directed at the window, but it was just so there was something bright outside. And, uh, yeah, there's light coming in on the walls and the floor. And I'm, you know, I, I get up thinking, what the hell is this outside? Because remember, we are miles from anywhere. There's, there's nobody around. There's no other houses. There's no street lights. There's no, there's no street. And, uh, yeah, so this is actually, I should add, this is the first time I've ever spoken about this publicly other than privately to partners and, and, uh, you know, really close friends along the way. So it gives me the chills just thinking about it. Uh, so I get up and I walk to the window. I'm in my pajamas. And uh, I'll never forget 
putting my face up to the window, my hands on the glass, the glass is icy, and uh, I look out, and about 400 feet away is a classic, brightly glowing UFO. I mean, its, it's design was almost cartoonish. We're talking uh, the side profile was football shaped so it didn't have sharp edges it sort of curved the sides curved down to the point it had a dome on top um, metallic and glowing really brightly I mean we're, we're talking about it lit up the entire area including the light that was coming into my room and uh, I looked up at this thing and I knew I, I knew immediately when I saw it like holy crap, that's a UFO. There's nothing else it could be. That's uh, This thing was, uh, as I said, about 400 feet away. We're talking only about 80 feet in the air. And so I got a really good look at it. This wasn't, this wasn't some distant light in the sky. It was close. I could see details um, to describe it. Let me talk a little bit about the light. I mean, this is it's it's overcast, cold outside, uh, a bit of frost around the edges of the window, um, a lot of you know mist, and yeah, you know, I wouldn't say a lot of mist, but there there was definitely, you know, it, it was almost a foggy evening outside, and the brightness of this thing was almost gave a halo effect around it if, if you understand what I mean like uh, you know the, the the air around it was lit up like uh, so uh, silver metallic I mean these are all the things you you standardly hear you know it's a silver metallic disc about 30 feet wide um, I, that, that sounds about right and I, I've since done sort of angles looking at you know the house because the house is still there and uh, I can you know judge the distance and the angles and the size about 30 feet wide at, at around and it was dead still it was just sitting there and uh, I, I was terrified I mean literally terrified I I, I, I mean I, yeah okay at 11 uh, I'm not a little kid but I wasn't a teenager but it, this thing was scary and it was otherworldly it was not this was not uh, uh, some craft I mean some you know Air Force craft or anything like that Australia barely even has an Air Force anyway so uh, anyway I I looked at it for maybe two or three seconds before I immediately realized I needed a witness I, I this couldn't just be me there's it was too unbelievable for me to just see by myself and besides I was terrified and uh, and so I took the very unusual step of racing down and uh, busting into mum and dad's room went round grabbed mum and I'm like mum please god get up you've got to come and look outside now it's hard to explain but that action, I mean, it was, it's a big house and it was a long way down to their room. Uh, there was no way I was asleep. There was no way I was sleepwalking or anything like that. And the other thing was, it was a big deal to bust into mum and dad's room. You didn't do that. Uh, and uh, 
yeah, in, in many ways that represents the urgency of which you know the event caused that I would do such a thing so I went up and I remember shaking mum like saying mum mum you've got to wake up you've got to come and look out the window and uh, mum just well I remember mum was real groggy and she just went uh, go back to sleep and uh, and then I was so scared and so I didn't know what to do and uh, I literally went back down the light as far as I can remember was still coming in but I was so scared that I just jumped in my bed pulled the dunas over my head and sat there shaking for I think you know most of the night I mean I, I, I remember just uh, ter- petrified and I didn't look back out the window and you know and that's pretty much the end of the story it's not that exciting um I wasn't abducted there was you know it wasn't I don't believe it was anything particularly directed at me. I feel like uh, it just happened to be there at the time, and I just happened to, you know, um, the angle of of it, of the light coming off it, just happened to sort of, you know, go through my bedroom window uh, as well as the entire area was lit up. The only addendum to this story is... uh, not too far from where this was. Now, I'm not sure. Sh- I can't entirely say that this is connected, but not too far from where this was, this thing was hovering, or I'd say another 500 feet, um, was a, a very dense bit of scrub on uh, my neighbor's property, actually. It wasn't actually our property. It was, it was a neighbor's property. And uh, it was it, it, essentially... In the direction I was looking at the UFO, further in the other direction was this dense bit of bush with uh, very particular trees that were extremely close together. I mean, little little shrubby things. I'm not even sure what they were, but they were dense, so dense that adults couldn't get through there. I mean, it was, it was a relatively large area that was inaccessible to adults um, just because of the density of these little scrub shrubs. And... I remember as a kid, uh, we would go through there and in the center of that shrub, those those shrubs was a circular shape, a very strange circular shape where nothing would grow. And I remember it being dirt and, you know, circular in shape, about 30 feet. And uh, this area, we would go in there and play, we'd build... um, you know, like forts and stuff in there because nothing would grow there. And it was, it was sort of weird. Once you were in there, you'd have no way of knowing that it was in there. And uh, so it was a private little area. Now I'm not sure. I'm, I, I couldn't say that that is directly related to this thing, but uh, I mean, it, it was strange to think about. One more thing. I'll, I'll, I'll just discuss the look of it, the image of it. I mean, while I only looked at it for two or three seconds, that, image of it is burnt into my mind it was it was clear as you know it was very clear and uh, I was close enough that I could see details and I would say while it was metallic I mean it looked like a gray kind of color it uh, it seemed to have almost a texture on it Uh, now this could be 
In hindsight, I've wondered if it actually was a texture or it possibly was extremely reflective and it was just reflecting the, you know, the, 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 the surroundings. Um, so I can't say, but it wasn't a perfectly even, even shape, uh, color, coloring on the, on the thing, other than being metallic, classic UFO shaped, uh, metallic dome on the top, um, yeah, exactly like what you imagine. Honestly, I'd almost wish it was a bit more exotic looking because it sounds, uh, you know, almost unbelievable that it was it was such a classic, cartoony style UFO. So, anyway, that is what I saw, and uh, you know, I'll I'll go to my grave with that. It uh, it definitely left a mark on me, and. Uh, yeah, I've never seen anything before or since like it. Have you ever thought of any alternate explanations or had any doubts about what you had witnessed on that night? Yes, absolutely. I mean, I literally spent the entire days afterwards because I was in shock a little bit the next days. I remember wandering around silently being creeped out and just going my mind racing thinking what the hell was that you know look i'm i'm all open to the idea that maybe i had an extremely one time complex hallucination i mean god i'm quite certain i was not asleep though and i wasn't in a, in a sleep state uh, i was very awake uh, there was far too much commotion of me going to the window, uh, running around the house, going into my mum and dad's room in particular. I mean, there's that that is not something I would do in a in a dreamy state. That you know, this was breaking the house rules. So um, I'm certain I wasn't asleep, and uh, I I have crystal clear memories of the entire thing. So you know. Look, maybe it was, uh, it wasn't, a, by the way, it definitely wasn't a star. It wasn't, I mean, this thing was only 400 to 500 feet away. I mean, it was, it was quite close and uh, it was big and the brightness of it was almost dazzling. So, you know, I, I, I doubt it was misrepresented. And in any case, it was so close that I, I doubt I could misrepresent something like that as anything else. I mean, you could discount, um, I mean, you know, the moon or anything like that. This was, it was overcast anyway. Um, so, you know, it was what it was. And I knew immediately, the second I saw it, I was like, holy crap, that is a, that's a bloody UFO. That's not anything else. The only thing I can think of is some kind of, as an alternative explanation, is some kind of complex hallucination. And, uh my mental state is is very good. I I don't, uh, you know, I, I I haven't had any other problems. There's no schizophrenia. There's no uh, there's no. I haven't seen angels. I don't I, I don't have you know telepathic. I'm a very normal guy, uh, business orientated. I have a real life family. The only thing that it's left me with. 
and I will admit is a lifelong interest in UFOs. And I must admit, and I'm very private about it. I do not talk about it with many people, but uh, I watch a lot of videos. I follow a lot of reports in my spare time. I mean, it's uh, I've seen for myself. But I, I'm quite certain that if I hadn't seen it for myself, I wouldn't be the type because generally I, I fall under. I'm quite skeptical about a lot of claims. And the UFO that you witnessed, would you say that's something that was man-made? Was it a military device vehicle, or was it more extraterrestrial, foreign, alien in design? Okay, I uh, I would love to say that it was man-made. You know, that it was some top secret government, you know, drone or something like that. But I can tell you, this was nothing like that, especially not in, in that day and age. I mean, we're going, we're going way back to the 80s. So it's, uh, it's Australia definitely had nothing high tech uh, in that area. And it, it makes no sense that it would be anything human made, the brightness of it. I mean, this thing was, was lit up the entire area. Um, why would you build a, uh, a a government drone that is so incredibly obvious. Uh, it was dead silent. Obviously, I didn't hear a thing. Um, it was sitting dead still. Uh, how that would be achieved, uh, you know, I mean, I'm sure it could be done, but why, why would it be done? It was, uh, honestly, I'm... One of the first people when I when I look through other UFO reports, I'm very quick to assume that hey, you know, the average person is driving around with 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 drones. You can buy them for fifty bucks on eBay, and they look bloody good. And I imagine a lot of if that's what the average person can get, then you can only dream of what a, a billion dollar budget black ops government project would have. I mean, they must, they probably do have uh, amazing drones, but this is, this was not a drone. I can't convince myself that it was a drone. Um, do I believe there was aliens inside? <sighs> you know, I, I, I can't say, I, I don't know. Um, I would hazard a guess that it probably didn't have biological aliens in it the way we would think just because 30 feet isn't that big an area i mean it wasn't this thing wasn't that big uh i'm sure that you could fit a couple in there crammed in but that's a pretty cramped little little spot uh i yeah i i I definitely I, i can't say about aliens but i this thing was not ours that's that's one thing i feel quite certain about so after witnessing this UFO, did this impact your life, change your views on aliens and the world? Look, I mean, if it's not ours, therefore it must be someone else's. And uh, it must be someone's. This thing naturally didn't just, just come into existence. As to who, what, where the others are, I have no idea. And quite frankly, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. And uh, I've had 30 years of thinking about this. And one thing that is, I'm quite clear about is I, I don't want to 
I, I see a lot of guys lose themselves in this and you could lose yourself. You could go crazy. I am, I believe that I'll never have an answer and, uh, that while I do watch just about every UFO documentary and uh, and I've even seen a couple of drawings and descriptions which match mine exactly. Um, in fact, there was one guy in particular online who um, what he described was almost identical to what I described. And it was even in a relatively, you know, it was uh, it was in the same area of Australia. So... You know, I I uh, I remember messaging him, and uh, you know, what, but what can you say? Uh, we're not going to get to the bottom of it. An interesting little story that I could add on to this is, um, you know, I've attended a few UFO conferences, and uh, at one point I was at a UFO conference, and I ran into I, I'd been speaking, talking to the speaker, who had just made a presentation, and uh, we were discussing a particular case, and. I happen a, a personal friend. I know this guy was, you know, we were relatively close, and he saw me there, and he comes bouncing up, and he goes, "Hey, Ian, what are you here? You know, um, have, have you seen a UFO too? Have you? Something like that." And I'm standing right in front of the speaker that I've just been talking to, <laughs> and I'll tell you, I denied it, and I said, "No, no, no, I'm just here, personal interest." And that right there, to me, says a lot. Because if I can deny this story that I'm now telling you, then I imagine there are thousands of stories out there from people who just do not want to get involved in uh, being labelled for life as a, you know, a UFO nut. I mean... Uh, you could, I, I can imagine people uh, immediately thinking paranoid schizophrenic. Is this guy the full, you know, the full quit? Is he, is he going to start coming out with other stuff, you, you know, ghosts? So, like, where does the suspension of reality, you know, where's the line drawn? And, you know, I, I'm just, I'm doing this anonymously. My name isn't Ian. I, uh, yeah, I'm uh, I'm publicly saying this now because I, I um, you know, I feel I can do this anonymously, and it, it's a story. It happened. It was real, and uh, I think there's something to be learned from it. Maybe not so much from the object or the experience itself, but um, from the fact that someone could keep such a secret for so long, and uh, and and con want to continue keeping the secret. I mean, you just I I don't want to. You know, I'm not going to go online and create a blog and do an artist's impression. And uh, you know, I, I full respect to the people who do. They I think they uh, they give up a lot when you do that. There's definitely no money in it. Uh, I don't doubt anyone's getting rich in the UFO field. And there is a lot of you you, you could lose a lot of social credit. And you can also provide people who want to have a go at you with, um, you know, a stick to beat you with. So, uh, you know, I would not be surprised if there has been a lot of uh, fantastic experiences out there that people have just thought, do I really want to be involved in that crowd in that way? Uh, no, I'm going to keep my normal life. Thank you very much. And, uh, you know, it's sad, but it's, it's true. And it's, uh, it's something that doesn't get mentioned a lot. 
And my final question after your experience, do you now 100% believe alien life exists? Yes, yes, absolutely. I think there is definitely other intelligence out there. Um, I think it's probably stranger and more complex than anything that uh, we can imagine at the moment. Um, you know, I mean, especially when, when I hear stories about little greys and things like that, I don't, I don't absolutely believe in any of the alien, uh, descriptions that are out there. I, I, I just, I'm certain there is something out there. I just, I don't think there's been enough evidence. I, I very much want evidence. Um, and I don't believe there's enough evidence to, to put a finger on any particular form, uh, except to say that, uh, uh, there's some logical assumptions such as um, I I believe that the biological aspect of little greys or little aliens uh, is probably more likely, um, you know, non-biological. I would say I could imagine a more um, remote controlled tele-operated alien device or thing but really as i said while i saw this ufo which implies aliens i'm not going to go down the alien rabbit hole um i it's uh you know i want to i want to keep being a regular joe (laughs) and um yeah it definitely left a mark on me So the first thing that jumps out at me, I love how the Brothers Mysterium has gone so international. This is a story from Australia. Actually, it's from California. But it took place in the south of Australia. There you go. Ian telling it is from Australia. Mm -hmm. So while he's currently in California, I'm going to count this as an Australian sighting. Our first, uh, also a big deal, this is kind of the exclusive story. He's never shared it publicly before, as we kind of said in the opening. Sometimes people don't like to talk about it, so we really appreciate him trusting us and his willingness to share it on our show. Very cool. Indeed. And it's a very cool story. You know, 11-year-old kid out in the bush having a nap in his house. Not a nap. Sleeping in his house. Yeah. Suddenly this super brilliant bright light kind of absorbs the room, wakes him up. Gets a good look at it, which I like. Yeah, he goes out to check it out, and that I was going to say the same thing. He got a really good look. It was flying low. It was close to him. Uh, I mean, as good a look as you can have. He didn't say, you know, it wasn't like we had said where it's like, yeah, I saw, you know, a light or it could have been a star or whatever. He saw it. I really liked when he said he was annoyed at almost how classic UFO it was, how it was almost cartoonish. Like if you said, draw an alien ship. Right. That's what it was. He says it was metallic. It had smooth edges. It was football shaped with a little bit of the dome on top. Uh, it was silver, kind of reflective, but again, it's just that classic shape. And I I always appreciate when people are just honest. And I like how he was like, I wish it was more distinct and different because it just sounds so cliche. Right. If that's what UFOs really do look like, it actually, and he really saw one, it hurts his story because it was that. Right. I like, just, you know, exactly. I like that classic. he's frustrated by that because it makes me believe him more. Right. Uh, and I do believe him. I also believe that he was awake. 
Obviously, it's easy to brush this one off and go, hey, he was a kid, he was having a dream, but I mean, right. it's so vivid. He remembers waking up, looking at it, how close it was, what it looked like. He remembers waking up his parents, or at least attempting to, um, which just, by the way, for parents out there, if you have a kid and they wake you up and say, there's a ghost, there's a UFO outside, at least go and look. Take a peek. If there's not, then you say, you little idiot, go back to bed. But- his mom could have seen a freaking UFO and could have validated the whole thing for everybody. You should always peek. Just go take a look. Just what a is peek. It? The kid's already woken you up a little bit. Just Yeah, I mean, if my kid, I mean, I don't have a kid. If anyone said woke me up and said they saw something like that, I'd go check it out. Yeah. It's worth I mean, it. if you take a look, right, the risk versus reward, you're going to lose three minutes of sleep. But if you see a UFO, an alien, a ghost, whatever it is, always, always go for the look. Um, sure. Or it could be a surprise party you're walking into. Could be anything. Yeah. Um, but a great story, a great look, a great eyewitness account, a lot of detail. And as he said, he doesn't think it was there to abduct him. He thinks he was just sort of the right place at the right time. And I also really liked his perspective where he's kind of a closet UFO fan. As he said, he doesn't talk about it a lot. Yeah, that's cool. He does watch documentaries. It has definitely sparked something in him, as it would anybody who witnessed that and then wants to know if other people out there have similar experiences. And he said he's come across a lot of different people, even people in that same area who have seen the same shape. Uh, and I like how he says he doesn't want it to become an obsession. He doesn't want to go crazy over it, lose himself in it. He accepts the fact that he might never have answers, but he's still keeping tabs on what's going on in the UFO community. Uh, and I'm very appreciative that he was down to share that story in this public forum on the Brothers Mysterium. So thank you again for that, Ian. Indeed. I want to thank everybody for sharing those UFO stories. Cool stuff. Aliens are something we don't tackle that much, but as I like to say, the likelihood of aliens existing might be more than ghosts existing or other topics we touch on just because there are so many planets. Right. Space is so big. Uh, of course, it, the skeptic in me still raises the questions of why are they just flying by and looking at us? Why don't they ever land? Or even just invade us, Independence Day style. I don't get why they are so sneaky and just kind of flying above us, zipping around. But some commonalities we definitely came across here. Bright lights associated with these UFOs. They're silent as they move. Their ability to move, the speed, the quick turning ability seems to shock everyone and stand out. As well as the classic shapes, whether it be a dome, a sphere, a football shape, a triangle shape. So, um, a lot of UFO sightings, but in a way they kind of excite me. And, it, and it, I like, I sort of enjoy the mystery of them too. It's not somebody yeah. saying, I was abducted and they put probes in my butt. They give you just enough. Right. It's just like, what could it, who was in that? What, and then what was it? Even if it is an alien. Even if it's not an alien, right? Anti-gravity, like, right. If, if it's a military thing, like just what the hell is it? That's the thing about these stories is that they're different from ghost sightings i mean because someone can say i saw like a, a, an apparition like disembodied thing and maybe they saw something else but in these situations these people are saying i saw lights i saw shapes in the sky right and they probably did yeah what is it is the question and another cool thing is as we said in the beginning going over you know the phoenix lights the the roswell incident thousands of people lots of people seeing things reporting the same things that's cool all over the world even the sightings in Argentina, you know, so many people have photos, have videos. Uh, Susan was able to find newspaper articles about other people seeing these weird shapes. So 
it's cool too because uh, to your point it's not just one guy saying you know i came downstairs late at night and i'm pretty sure i saw a woman in a wedding dress walk across the hallway right this is lots of people similar sightings if not the same sighting or similar areas having a lot of ufo activity so it's and the it's intensity cool. of it like seeing believing that you saw something that was shaped like a human being in the darkness is one thing especially if you've just woken up waking up and suddenly having like powerful lights just blast through your windows right i mean how do you unless you live next to a football stadium that is happening to be pointed right here you know what i mean like there's yeah it's hard to explain especially if you're in the bush in australia just minding your own business that's it watching out for spiders well <laughs> well we want to thank all of our guests in today's ufo episode we are always 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 looking for ufo or alien type experiences so if you have a first-hand account let us know the brothers mysterium at gmail.com facebook.com slash the brothers mysterium or instagram and twitter we are at mysterium bros we'd love to hear from you also get a mysterium shirt and some other awesome shirts they got some cool lines and shapes and geometry and just some other great shirts fightgiant.com that's fight like you want to fight i'll kick your ass giant like the jolly green giant fightgiant.com or if you're an alien and you're listening to this we would love to have the exclusive the first sit-down interview with an extraterrestrial so however you operate and communicate hit up the brothers mysterium we can't wait clip you heard from the x-files is from the 20th century fox television show x-files season 10 episode 1 entitled my struggle the roswell clip came from abc news radio it originally aired on july 8 1947 the clip on capilla del monte is from new china tv royalty free music for this episode came from purpleplanet.com and bensound.com our theme song is done by the Never Grin. And again, to get a Brothers Mysterium t-shirt or just a cool t-shirt in general, head over to fightgiant.com. As always, you can reach us on facebook.com slash thebrothersmysterium, on Twitter and Instagram at Mysterium Bros, or send an email to thebrothersmysterium at gmail.com. As always, thank you for listening, and keep your eyes to the skies. <laughs>